It's all about the money, or so they say. I'm not a money person. I pay attention to my bank accounts, but I'm lucky enough to have a money man in my house. Today on the show, I have my fiance Andrew with me, and we are going to be chatting all things savings and budget when it comes to planning your next trip. Kayla on the Road, the podcast is all about sharing stories about life on the road and at home as a digital nomad. Through stories, tips, and interviews, I want to inspire you to create your own travel memories by taking the overwhelm out of planning. Join me every week for a beer and a laugh as I recount some of my favorite travel stories, even the not-so-perfect ones, all while chatting logistics about planning your next or first trip abroad. Hey friends, and welcome to episode three of Kayla on the Road, the podcast, my first guest is on the podcast today and it is someone that I love. Um, He's a management consultant who has traveled from India to the UK to California as part of his job. I mean, how cool is that? He is amazingly financially savvy and an Excel guru and he also happens to be my fiance. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining me on Kayla on the Road, the podcast. No problem. It was a pretty short trip here. Okay, um, so I asked Andrew to join me on this episode because I want to chat all things money with you. I reached out on Instagram and money was the number one answer I got when I asked what the biggest factor holding you back from traveling was. And so I'm so excited to chat money with you today, Andrew. If you're at home, grab a beer, hit that subscribe button and let's get started. Okay, so today I'm drinking a Mojito Radler from Spearhead Brewing Company. They're based in Kingston, Ontario. This is a nice light beer at 2.5%, and I'm really looking forward to trying it. Uh, Mine is the Raspberry Sour from the After Hours series of the Prince Edward Island Brewing Company. Uh, For those who don't know, I am from Prince Edward Island, so to me this is very special. Also a damn good beer. Um, The notes that they've provided me are uh, better than I could have come up with. They say, if raspberry jam on biscuits were a beer, it would be this beer. A flavorful kettle-soured wheat beer conditioned on real raspberries. I am looking forward to this one. Awesome. All right, let's open her up. Oh, that's nice. Mine is nice and light. It's got a lot of mint right up front. Um... Yeah, I think that would be a really good summer beer, especially since it's nice and light. You could have a bunch of them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Mine's definitely more on the tart side, maybe not a summer beer, but um, yeah, definitely recommended. Let's just dive right in, Andrew. I'm going to start asking you some questions here. Okay. Um, so for anyone who is listening to this podcast for the first time, Andrew and I actually travel together a lot. Um, not only do we go on his work adventures together, so whenever he travels for work, I tag along, but we also do a lot of adventure traveling. So we did a couple trips to Thailand and Vietnam and Costa Rica and a couple others thrown in there. And so uh, when it comes to traveling, Andrew is the person who uh, really sets out our budget and tells me how much we're allowed to spend. Um, and I mean that in the nicest way possible, because like I said in the intro, I, uh, I look at my bank accounts, but that's pretty much the extent of my money knowledge. All right. So, Andrew, uh, why do you think that so many people are money minded when it comes to travel? To be honest with you, I think with what's going on in the world and as well as just kind of how travel is viewed, it's really seen as being extra or being um, a little frivolous with your money. Um, So I think a lot of times there's concerns around spending money for travel, especially when there isn't really a tangible um, receipt 
of it. Uh, so someone might spend money on a video game console or spend money on uh, a hobby or whatever it may be, a car, a house. Those are things that you can see and feel and talk about and share. Travel's a little bit different. Um, of course, you come away with memories and photos and stories, but it's a little bit harder to maybe for some people mentally and morally be able to I guess, grasp uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, I totally get that. I had a lot of friends like in university who uh, would always tell me that they were jealous that I got to go on all these trips. But in reality, uh, that's just where I was funneling my money, whereas they were funneling their money into some of those other ones, like the the game consoles or the uh, newest car. I, I don't know. Um, but it really comes down to kind of like a personal decision of, of where you want to put your money. Well, and I think that's the hardest thing too, is because at the end of a trip for you and I, we don't come back with um, a tangible good. We might have, uh, you know, shirts that say, I went on this trip or knickknacks <laughs> or, or souvenirs. But at the end of the day, the souvenirs were pennies to the dollar spent on the actual flights or travel itself. For us, the joy of it is the adventure that we get either together or uh, by ourselves, or at the end of the day, it's being able to, you know, a year from now, look at a photo and not remember maybe the story of the photo, but maybe the story that led up to it or what happened right afterwards. So again, it, it all has to do with prioritizing. And I think for some people, it's realizing that if I'm spending, you know, to be honest, thousands of dollars on a trip, either as an individual or as a couple, that's thousands of dollars I'm not putting towards a house or towards a car or towards things that I may be able to reuse or, um, you know, be able to enjoy time and time again that, uh, you know, you get as memories, so to speak, when traveling. Yeah. So um, I guess one of the biggest questions that I have for you is, is <laughs> what are some common things that people forget to budget for when it comes to travel? I think the hardest thing for some people is to figure out everything that they're going to be paying for during a trip. Uh, you can think about your flights, you can think about your hotels or wherever you're staying if it's a hostel. You can think about an average amount of money you're going to spend on food or, or drinks in a day and then kind of multiply that out. Um, oftentimes I find a few things that keep popping up and I've looked over budgets that we've done for previous travels and notes that I've made and one of them seems to be what I like to call internal travel. And that has to do with when you are in a city or a town or whatever it may be and you have to take Ubers or cabs or tuk-tuks or bikes within the town. Those tend to add up after a while. You don't always think about, you know, getting from point A to point B. Um, when I say, you know, external travel, sometimes I talk about the larger flights just to get to the country or to get from one large city to another. Um, that's the stuff that we tend to plan for. But it's when it comes to the internal travel that you know, those tend to add up. I would say the other item that probably goes along with that is the excursions or the activities that we either do on a whim or that we even may look at planning. Mm -hmm. um, some of some people, some travelers, we don't always do that, but some people will plan out every single day and which days you're going to mm -hmm. do activities and outings. And for us, sometimes it's on a whim and we come across uh, an outing that we really like, like an excursion. And those things tend to, even in, I'll say, quote unquote, cheaper countries, when it comes to the cost of living, those excursions still tend to cost a little bit more um, than kind of your average meal or what you do when it comes to kind of a daily budget. Yeah, for sure. I think in a lot of those countries, any of those excursions and things are, are uh, shown for tourists. Mm -hmm. 
And so they know that your budget is a little bit higher than some of the people who actually live in those countries and those cities. Um, but it's funny you said sometimes we do it on a whim. And it, it just brought me back to this time in Thailand when we were in Chiang Mai. We showed up in Chiang Mai and we actually had a week there. Mm-hmm. And we planned nothing before we went. And I still remember sitting on the roof of our hostel going through all the brochures that we got from the front desk. Um, I'm not sure, like, I don't even know what we were thinking for budget at that point or if it was just kind of like, let's do whatever we feel like or do you know, did we have a budget for that? Uh, from what I remember, we had a budget, obviously, because we'd stayed in the same hostel for the full week. Chiang Mai itself is arguably fairly small in terms of the, the center of Chiang Mai. So we had looked at the budget for the hostel. We had looked at kind of like a daily food budget and drinks and all that kind of stuff. And we were like, yeah, this should be fine. Um, And we went there and we were kind of unsure about what we would get ourselves into. Part of us were thinking it would be a little bit more relaxing. Part of us thought, hey, there's some history that we could view kind of like temples or uh, interesting artifacts that tend to be a little bit free or have a minimal cost to it. Um, But I do remember seeing all those brochures and kind of coming across and realizing that actually Chiang Mai was this it arguably at least to us was a little bit of a hidden gem when we go when we went to Thailand and when we planned about it Chiang Mai wasn't really on the top of the list yeah, in terms that's of true. you know you must go there it was really you know you talked a lot about Bangkok they talked a lot about going down south to Phuket and some of the other islands there um, obviously for the variation but yeah uh, I don't remember Chiang Mai being a, a must see but I would obviously recommend it now yeah I, I think it's I, for both of us, it's probably one of our favorite places now. So it's really glad, like, I'm glad that we put the money into flying all the way up there because it is, like, on the other side of the country, basically. Well, on the other end of the country. Yeah. Since it's kind of a straight line. Well, and I think for us, it was also the ability on a financial standpoint to realize that, you know, we can stay at a place. And I guess that was the thing. We sometimes go to a place for a short period of time, like a, a city within like Thailand as an example we'll go to a city for maybe three days and the best way to enjoy it is an excursion or paying for a tour mm-hmm. or you know kind of splurging a little bit more than we would on other items um, but for Chiang Mai it was a little bit different because our thought was let's actually get engrossed in this town and situated so we you know you start getting routines you start becoming a regular at certain restaurants even after a couple of days so for mm-hmm. us that was kind of the the, the enjoyment of it which saved us money-wise at that end. Yeah, totally. Um, Out of all the trips that we've taken together, which one has surprised you the most money-wise, whether that's good or bad? Um, Well, I'll start with the good one because I can keep it short, and that was just Thailand. It was our first big, I would say, international trip, at least outside of North America. And uh, for me, realizing just the cost of living comparatively, you know, sometimes, other than the flights, you could live like a king. And I say that obviously loosely, but you know, you were able to easily afford meals and not have to carry around a lot of money and you kind of were able to try a little bit of here and a little bit of there and make your way around. The one that surprised me was the fact that we spent, I think it was like nine or 10 days in Costa Rica and that in itself cost more than some of our weeks in some of the Southeast Asian countries. Mm -hmm. The flight was cheap because, you know, it's just a little south of us. But in terms of some of the food and the drinks and things to do, you were spending a little bit more because it is such a heavily touristed area and also primarily for U.S. tourists. So you just tend to have the notion that some of the things uh, that were about the hospitality industry tended to, to lean more towards travelers and therefore the prices were a bit higher. So yeah, it sure. was weird planning for 10, it was like nine or 10 days 
at almost the same budget that we planned for 20 days in Thailand. Yeah. You know? uh, no, you were saying that, I mean, it's it's pretty cheap to get over to some player, somewhere like, um, it's not, sorry, it's not cheap to get somewhere like Southeast Asia. But once you get there, it's super, super affordable. Um, and it is much, uh, much cheaper than what we're used to here, especially in Canada. I know it's the same for the United States, Europe, um, any of those countries. Um, and so it's really, um, it's kind of like a playground for people from Australia. If you talk to Australians or New Zealanders when you travel, that's like one of the first places they go because the flight there for them is so cheap. It's so close mm. and their dollars are cheap. So it's kind of relatable in our sense to going somewhere south here, like a Mexico or a Panama or something like that. Yeah, and I think, well, and to your point, and I guess when just talking about budget and, and kind of looking at options, uh, I know some people have always said, you know, why would I want to travel to uh, Southeast Asia right off the bat? Like, that seems like it's pretty far away. It's a long trip. The one thing that I did really like about that trip and probably why we went back to, why we went to Vietnam the year after is because the upfront cost of the flights are your biz, biggest expenditures and those you know about ahead of time. You book them, right? It's not like... Again, the way we travel, we tend to book our start and end dates at least. I know some people are a little bit more open-ended. They'll show up and then whenever they feel like going home, they'll go home. You know, you and I sadly have to return back to real life and to our jobs and, and that doesn't always become possible. But being able to plan and, and pay for the flights ahead of time gave you a little bit more financial freedom when it came to the actual uh, trip itself because we were able to, you know, save a little bit of money here and there depending on meals or depending on where we stayed but on the opposite end we could also splurge a little bit more and do some excursions or go out uh, for a night out and do whatever we wanted to yeah for sure um one of those things that you said there was that we kind of have our dates locked in and although that is true i find that um recently we've gotten into the habit of actually tracking several dates and um i was telling someone earlier this week the the way this started was I was going on the Nomad cruise and I knew that I could be there anytime. I had a very flexible schedule. So I decided to, to try and track the flight prices uh, and see what is the what was the cheapest day, what was the cheapest city. I was looking around to see um, what other cities there were close to here in Fredericton that I could fly out of. Uh, something that was really great about that is that I created this worksheet to put all my stuff in. And um, you came over my shoulder and looked at it and you said, I can fix that. So <laughs> you took my spreadsheet where I had all these dates and prices and you made it into like a comprehensive um, table that basically, um, you made it into the comprehensive table that would actually show me the cheapest and the most expensive options. And I thought that I would share that all with you guys. So I actually put it together, I put together an information sheet on how to fill out the table, and it is available online at kaylaontheroad.com slash downloads. So if you go there, you can get your own copy of it. It's the budget travel planner, um, and we use it all the time now. Yeah, I remember because you, the struggle was that finding flights out of our hometown were limited and um, what we were thinking was, well, you know, you could travel two hours, uh, up to six hours because I, I, we ended up traveling out of Boston, which I think was about a six hour drive. 
but the cost of gas and going there, and I, I know we made like a mini vacation out of it by actually going to Boston for a few days, but the cost of doing that ended up saving us money. So um, not, to, not to, I guess, toot my own horn or talk too much about this budget tracker, but I did enjoy it because to me, it was being able to turn a, a simple problem and kind of visually illustrate it. And I know that's something that you like to have is the ability to kind of see which is, what is the best option and what's possible. So for sure, there's a lot of work that goes into planning. And if I can just like plug numbers in and look at this sheet and it tells me which one I should go with, like that's the, that's the best option in my case. I uh, love that. Um, I think the other thing that was helpful, and this is always a tricky thing, I'm not an expert at this part, but I know there are people who have, and I'm sure there's plenty of blogs out there about it, but there is kind of this notion around when cheap flights appear uh, for certain locations. Like it's, you know, it's so many weeks out, it's, you know, a couple of months, there's a, a rise and a decline uh, in prices. So for us, it was really looking at almost at a, I don't want to say a stock market level, but looking at the, ebbs and flows of the prices and then realizing if um you know we were realizing okay it's actually starting to rise we should probably you know at this point book something because at this point we're getting too close to the travel date yeah that's true it was kind of a great way to see which like when the when the prices were going up yeah it was a, a comparison tool as well mm-hmm. um all right what is the first thing you do when you're making a budget for travel to me, when we start a budget, the first thing is actually looking at the length of the trip. And I know that's kind of the way that we travel. We tend to know um, you know, the length that, that we're gonna be there. So it, from there, it allows me to break it down a little bit easier to understand what's gonna be a daily cost. Um, if it's something that we then need to either find alternatives uh, such as you know cheaper hostels. It's always difficult when you look at the cost of living, I find that helps to generate the budget in itself because there's no way around it. What I mean by that is you're going 15 days to a place and the cost of food is the same as if you were uh, you know, in Canada, right? So mm-hmm. at that point, the question is, is, is it cheaper to stay at a hotel where you can get groceries and make your own food there? Or do you stay somewhere maybe a little cheaper like a hostel, but you actually get to enjoy local cuisine that may still be a little bit more expensive so it's that, it's that balance. It's understanding the length of stay and what are your limitations. Obviously for us, we generally have a good idea of what our budget is at when we start, or at least a kind of a, an estimate. So we take that and then break it down into a daily basis. We also need to include the aspects around flights and that takes a big chunk depending on where we're going. For sure. Um, I think that something that people often forget is how much money they will not be spending at home when they are away. Um, and that might not be a huge difference for someone who's going away for like a week or a couple days, but if you are taking longer travels, like we do for three weeks, you, you really can look at what are the expenses that you're not going to pay at home and kind of work those into your budget. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always tricky. I know when we've done week trips or multiple week trips, I often look and say, okay, well, where are we going to have savings during that time by not being home? So maybe a reduced energy bill. Uh, maybe we are not going to be going out for food at home or going out for coffee as much. So all those items kind of add up to each other and, um, we can then that kind of translates into being a bigger part of our budget. So it is risky, I'll say to some extent, because, you know, you may assume you're going to have a bunch of, um, you know, available money from not spending, but 
I always try to look at it saying, how can we save either ahead of time or as we go? And then once we're there, understanding that we may have additional cash flow because we're not spending at home, but rather we're spending here on travel. How do you keep track of your money when you are away? Do you do a lot of, I mean, like, I guess I kind of know, but for everyone else that's listening, um, do you use more cash or do you use more credit card? Uh, it depends. That's actually a good point. I know when we first traveled, we, oh my God, we took out almost all of our budget the first day or like prior to leaving in, uh, was it Thai bot? Yeah. Yeah. So we took out, I don't even remember how much it was, but I remember us having to stuff money into different parts of our bags because we were worried that if we lost, you know, a, a part of our bag or if someone had, you know, st- gotten into it, that would be all the money. So I think we like divvied it up in like three different ways Yeah. and like hid some in, you know, the rain compartment. We hid some in our backpack. We put some obviously in our wallet in case we needed to, you know, we needed quick access to it. So that was like our first time doing it. And in hindsight, I was like, that was so risky. Like that was everything we had saved up for that trip. And if anything had gone wrong, if our bags had gotten lost, we would have been screwed. So I don't know why. I don't know why that was our first thought. But I think it is a good idea if you are going to, if you do want to take out money beforehand mm. to split it up. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and put it in multiple locations. Well, and I think what we ended up doing when we went to the Viet, Vietnam trip, we, two things. One is we realized that Vietnam had been a little bit more, in the term I think that we had heard there was Americanized. So there was a lot more access to ATMs that were a little bit more North American friendly. I know we ran into some issues. I ran into issues in Thailand and India where I struggle sometimes with our ATMs or my visa or my debit is considered a visa and a debit. So it gets all confused. Anyway, um, when we did the Vietnam trip, we definitely knew that we were safer at using our visas or, or MasterCards or Amexes because they were more accepted in Vietnam at the time. And again, this may all change in a year's time, who knows, but we had still taken out cash. And what we did when we separated it was instead of separating it just randomly, we'd actually separated knowing how much we would need uh, for different parts of the trip. So we knew when we were in the northern part, uh, we would need you know X amount for the hostels or for a daily food allowance, so to speak. Um, and again, there were guiding posts like we you know we had them built out. Sometimes we never you know reached that limit. Sometimes we had to dip into other ones. So that was just a way for us to balance it out a little bit. It was uh, part of it was security, just keeping it separated. The other part of it was actually just of a mindset to not go, you know, week one or a few first few days and be like, let's just burn through all of this, um, you know, because we had, we'd saved up and we knew that we were able to track um, a little bit of what we were getting through. So to me, that was the biggest aspect was keeping an eye and understanding what our money was for. Um, we had also one of the things that I, I can't remember if we did this for Thailand or more so for Vietnam, but we had actually started to book some hostels ahead of time yeah. uh, through some, you know, booking websites and stuff like that so that we could actually have our credit card um, on there. And, and again, making sure we were using a safe website and stuff like that. Um, but you know, knowing that then we don't have to carry around cash for all these hostels, it was kind of already paid for. Um, yeah. So that was kind of a, a little bit of an at ease. That's thing. a definitely like depends on where you go because um, like Andrew said, we were carrying around the amount of money that we needed for some of these hostels and they would tell us the price before we left but we did need to carry that cash around because they only accepted cash. Um, and that that's going to change no matter where you are. Yeah. Big question here. Mm-hmm. What is your number one money-saving tip for would-be travelers out there? I guess there's a trickiness to it. And it's, it's honestly, well, it's being honest with yourself. Um, a lot of times we have this 
head in the clouds idea around travel. And, and I think that's kind of where you and I complement each other in the planning part of it. Because one of us, I'm not going to say who, is oftentimes thinking of all of the fun things we can do and the places we need to see and what this blog said about this one cool thing. And, you know, you're already thinking about the next steps and the next steps. Meanwhile, what we're doing on a budgeting standpoint on a month by month as we get closer to it is we're putting money aside. And it's it's not just saying, oh, well, if I cut down coffees or if I stop going out for food because... You know, you could run into an issue where your sneakers bust and now you got to buy new sneakers. So, you know, budgeting is always a tricky part, especially when it comes to saving. For us, the biggest thing was trying to just get a number. You know, I, it could be 2000 it could be 5000 it could be a couple of hundred, depending on what the trip might cost and try to estimate as best as possible. So if you're saying I have eight months until my next trip, let's say, and I need to save up. Uh, $4,000. Okay, well, are you actually able to save $500 per month to get to that point? Keeping in mind, you also will probably need to pay, pay for your flights ahead of time. Um, so maybe a couple months out, you'll uh, probably need to uh, put some things on your credit card if you need to do that. So to me, it's being honest with yourself and understanding what the actual cost is going to be and then actually just planning it out. That was the, you know, I hate to say it was the easiest part for us, but doing that exact math of I have eight months until we leave. It's going to cost us $4,000. That's $500 a month. I'm going to put that aside. We're in, and, you know, don't say I'm going to have $4,000 by the time the trip happens because, no, you're going to pay for your flights. You are going to put some down for hostels. Uh, you're going to take some of that money out in local currency, and some of it you're just going to keep in your bank account knowing that you're going to have to pay off some of your credit card. That being said, when traveling, understanding your limitations with credit cards it can be pretty easy to also say, I'm just gonna oh, put yeah. it on the credit card. Oh, we went over budget, but that's fine. <laughs> because I think our biggest fear too was, and we could keep traveling and travel after travel, but the biggest fear for us, I know at least for me was, we enjoy these three weeks, we have the greatest time, we make memories, we spend the money, whatever it is we saved up, we put a little bit on credit on the credit card, and then we come home to a full credit card or more of debt. And then we have to try and then we're just spending the next few months paying trying to off. paying that off. Yeah. So it's it's being honestly, the best way to avoid all of that is understanding what it is that you're actually gonna budget, what it is you need to cover. I would say the first thing to look up is the cost of living, everything from hostels or hotels to uh, daily food allowances. Again, I'm not trying to say you have fifty dollars, don't spend more than that. But some days you'll notice that you'll just have street food and that stuff will cost you a lot less. Others day, other days it'll be gorgeous and you want to sit on a patio and drink the afternoon away. And that might cost you a little bit more. So mm -hmm. it's trying to find that happy medium, not overly controlling it. Because honestly, at the end of it, if we had come back from three weeks in Thailand or weeks in Vietnam or Costa Rica or, or the UK and... The only memories we had were me consistently saying, stop spending money, we're spending too much money, that we can't afford that, we need to, you know, like, if that was every memory we had, if we looked at every photo and we said, well, we almost did that, but then Andrew reminded us we couldn't afford it, so we didn't do it, it wouldn't be great memories. So it's just being, being real with yourself about it all at the end of the day, so that you're not regretting travel, you're not, you know, having a, a negative, you know, experience at the end of it. Okay, so anytime someone talks about uh, choices and sacrifices and stuff like that, it brings me back to a moment from uh, Kristen, Me uh, Kristen Newman's memoir 
called What I Was Doing While You Were Breeding. Um, and I made you get this for me for Christmas one year because I absolutely love her. She, um, she's a TV producer and writer, and uh, she's worked on things like That 70s Show and How Much Your Mother, and there's a couple other ones on TV right now that she has worked on. But um, she has this passage, and I'm going to butcher it, so you need to go and read it yourself. But uh, she basically says that life is filled with decisions and every single thing that we do is a decision and it's really just about prioritizing um, what, what we want, you know, um, especially for us as young, like we're, we're young-ish travelers. Um, a lot of people in our lives are getting married and having kids. I mean, we're getting married too, but this is the, <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, but the the idea that we are choosing travel over kids right now, yeah. um, and we talk about it all the time. But it's one of those like choices that we are making. That's where we want to spend our money right now, and that choice, when it comes up again, may not be the same every single time. No, and it's. Uh, Part of that is, it goes back to my aspect of savings and thinking about how much you're going to need because, yeah, we could put aside $500, you know, and I'm just giving, throwing that number out there, but you could save hundreds of dollars a month, you know, towards something you like. Um, we just choose to put that in what we call a travel budget or travel account because we want to save up for travel, you know, like we have an expense account where we spend for, for bills Regular and all this stuff. other stuff, yeah. daily life. We have savings accounts for if there's ever an emergency, you know, retirement, stuff like that. But for us, it's okay if I don't actually, uh, and I guess this may go back to the, the tip that you were asking about, but it, if you don't take the effort to actually put money aside and put it in either a separate account or track it or something of the sort, things will happen. And it, to your point, that's when the decisions come in. Mm -hmm. Do I need A over B? Do I need to do something now? Do I need um, things for my life? Um, you know, like, so it, it's always a tough thing because there's times where we make tough decisions uh, as homeowners about do we want to add, you know, obviously if things, you know, pipe blew up and we had to get them replaced, that's a priority. But we also have the things saying, do we want to redo our deck? Do we want to, um, you know, add in a fireplace? Those are things that, you know, some people may say that is what I want. That is what I would love to do and put my money towards. And exactly your point, that is where the decisions come in that will either, you know, help you travel and, you know, push your money in that direction versus whatever else may be in your life. Yeah. Awesome. Wow. Okay. So much information. I hope you guys got all that. Uh, don't, don't be afraid to like rewind and re-listen if you need to. Um, I just want to thank you today for joining me on Kayla on the Road, the podcast, Andrew. Um, I'm sure that you'll be on here again soon, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. I don't really have much going on in my evenings. Uh, so yeah, I can find time. Oh, perfect. I'm just teasing you. Um, no, I, I appreciate it. And I know that uh, hopefully your listeners aren't bored to death, as I know sometimes you are when I talk money. <laughs> um, but it's not a it's not a sexy topic nobody you know people when they think about travel it's just the it's you know the head in the clouds the freedom the the experiences the photos whatever whatever it is that draws you to travel oftentimes money is an aside to it mm -hmm. money is uh, 
a circumstance that you have to either overcome ahead of time or you deal with it after the fact. And it's not often considered. And, and again, depending on how you are as a solo traveler or couples, or even if you go as a, with a group of friends, that's always the hardest part is being honest about that. And I'll be, and I'll be honest with everybody listening. I'm not an accountant. I, you know, we have people who help us with taxes. So don't take my word as a, a fiscal uh, educated guru, but someone who realizes that to be able to continue traveling, there has to be some uh, consideration, some uh, focus or, or realism to your to the money management side of things. And again, I wish I could uh, taunt it as being the greatest part about traveling, um, <laughs> but it's a secondary aspect that, uh, frankly, I would say could make or break um, couples traveling together, oh, either for, for the sure. first time or if they want to consider doing it on a continuous basis. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone wanted to find you online, do you have any like social accounts that they could follow you on? Uh, sure. Well, uh, I have an Instagram, Andrew G. Martell, where I post funny quips and attractive photos of uh, myself, um, as well as you can obviously check out yeah, our company, uh, Media Odyssey, on both Facebook and Instagram. Um, I don't have a SoundCloud or a Fire EP, so I can't really uh, taunt that. <laughs> um, but I would say if you had to follow one thing, it would probably be Kayla on the road, um, either on Instagram or Facebook. Hell, why not both? Um, but that would that would be what I would suggest. <laughs> oh, I swear I didn't pay him to say that. Um, <laughs> so again, if you guys are interested in grabbing your own copy of that spreadsheet that we talked about earlier, the travel or the budget travel planner. You can find that at kaylaontheroad.com slash downloads. Um, and yeah, while you're there, why don't you sign up for my email list too? Or let's continue the conversation. Hop on over to Facebook or Instagram at Kayla on the Road and uh, let me know what you thought about this. If you have any questions, if you want to tell me about your travel stories, I would love to talk anytime if you haven't already hit that subscribe button so that next week you can have the next episode of kayla on the road the podcast delivered right to your favorite device i have new episodes coming every tuesday from now until who knows when um filled with travel advice travel stories maybe some more andrew maybe some more other experts that i've met throughout my travels so stay tuned for that and i will see you next time friends